0: If your business has big goals, you need more than just another vendor. You need a true partner who cares about your deal as much as you do. At PropLogix, we provide time-saving due diligence services from title searches to HOA research, lien searches, and more. Our team will go out of their way to ensure you're supported, and our reports are backed by our Six Sigma Quality Assurance approach. PropLogix, getting you to the closing table with confidence. A new episode of Title Talks starts now. If you're in title, your business has likely been through a lot these past few years, from record-setting volumes to a pretty big tumble. And while it feels like the worst should be behind us, we're definitely not out of the woods. The market is soft for many of us, but my guest today thinks it's the perfect time to make some key changes in your business so that you can gain market share and come out on top. We're talking to Dr. Cindy McGovern, known to the industry as the first lady of sales. She's a two-time author, sales coach, business growth strategist, and the founder of Orange Leaf Consulting. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and you're listening to Title Talks. Cindy, thank you so much for joining me. We're happy to have you on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. So uh, obviously, my intro talked a little bit about what it is we're going to be chatting about today, and um, we're looking at gaining market share with uh, the market as it is now. And so what I want to do is give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, Cindy.
1: So I'm Cindy McGovern and I am the founder of Orange Leaf Consulting and Orange Leaf Academy as well as an author. And our focus is to help title agents grow their business.
0: Awesome. So um, First Lady of Sales is, is something <laughs> that I like, tell, tell me a little bit about where did that come from.
1: Uh, it's actually a funny story because I got known as a First Lady of Sales because I was kind of one of the only ones back in the day on speaking panels. And it's a nickname that stuck because I was about to be interview- introduced to speak and somebody said, oh, the next up is this little lady. And somebody goes, little lady? She's like the first lady. And I went,
0: that's pretty cool. I'll take it. So <laughs> it just kind of stuck after that. That's awesome. Um, you're also a personal branding expert. You have a book called Selling Yourself. Tell us a little bit about that. So that book recently
1: came out um, at the timing of our recording here. It came out at the end of 2022, and I wrote it because of all of the changes that had happened in the world, quite frankly. We went through the great resignation, the great remorse, the great reset. I believe we're in the great rebrand, and that's really about people. I mean, we know this as a title business. It's a relationship business. And so for all the title agency owners out there and everybody that has team members who maybe don't see themselves as a salesperson, they are, they're selling themselves in every interaction with every customer. And so I wanted to help people to recognize the power each person holds in being able to sell their own personal brand to not only grow the business but help themselves to reach their goals too.
0: That's awesome. We'll talk a little bit more later on about where you can find um, your books and uh, a little bit more about how p- you can potentially help people in the title industry kind of achieve those goals. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about gaining market share. Right now, we um, are coming out of what feels like a really, really rough time in the housing market. Uh, a lot of people are seeing some orders taking up, but... You and I have talked before and it might feel like things are kind of picking up, but um, why, like talk a little bit about the market conditions right now with interest rates where they are still pretty high um, and, and people kind of gaining a sense of confidence, but you know, maybe it's a bit of a false sense of confidence.
1: Yeah, so I I mean it's no surprise to anybody in the title business. It's a cyclical business, right? We all got in this knowing there was a roller coaster ride we were we were signing up for and it was gonna go up and down. But it's about planning and having a strategic plan in place for these times. And part of the reason this feels so wonky, you know, very technical term, wonky in this market is because we were going ninety-five miles an hour for the last couple of years. So Anything is going to feel a little bit scary, a little bit different, and a little bit slow after doing that. So what ended up happening when interest rates went up and it was such a sharp turn, it not only felt like it was, oh my gosh, somebody turned the faucet off, but we also went, okay, well now what do we do with our time? It's sort of like, what do I do with my hands? I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) And so we're feeling that. And what I want to encourage owners and teammates to think about is now is your chance to get out there and actually develop those relationships, deepen those relationships. That's what we should be spending this time doing because when that faucet does start going a little bit faster, you're gonna have all those pieces in place. But recognizing the cyclical nature and then just knowing how to pivot your time for the best return on time investment I think is really key for folks.
0: Do you think I mean, I think a lot of people, because the market, you know, coming into spring and summer kind of starts naturally picking up. There's a lot of people thinking, oh, maybe we're out of the woods. Maybe we're you know, are are. do you think people are really seeing meaningful growth right now?
1: So I do. Um, and it's really the ones that are being super proactive, the ones that are actually out there looking at stealing market share, quite frankly, because what ends up happening when we come into the spring market is we start to ride that wave. And a lot of clients, including some of the folks that come to us for help, they stop being proactive when they get busy. It's like sales is something we do when we don't have enough business in the pipeline. (laughs) So then when they get business in the pipeline, they stop prospecting, they stop trying to deepen those relationships. Sales and business development is an all season sport. So that false sense of security of, hey, the market is coming back, the market is bouncing back. I agree, yeah, it feels good that doesn't mean you take your foot
0: off the gas. That
1: doesn't mean you stop doing these other things.
0: Absolutely. So um, as an organization, PropLogix, we talk a lot about uh, increasing efficiency overall. We're a vendor partner. We work with title companies. We take a lot of kind of more tedious tasks off their plate so that they can focus more on working on their business rather than just in it. So they're not you know constantly running on this hamster wheel. They can actually, when we say things like meaningful growth, like actually increase market share, they can actually increase their customer base. Um, so why is it so important that you should, I think you and I had talked before, about how important it is before you really start um, looking at gaining market share and looking at, um, you know, trying to really ramp up your sales effort, that that you need to kind of get your ducks in a row, get your house in order in order to then gain that time and be able to focus on your business.
1: I could not agree more. And it's funny because I think about it like if you're throwing a party and you're inviting new people over, you're gonna clean your house first, you know? So if you're gonna go out and start inviting new business in the door, you need to have your house in order, like you said. And so using this time, especially when there is a little bit of a slowdown and you have a little bit of more time on your hands, it's a great time to reflect on the processes. What's working, what's not working? What can you work with a vendor partner on? Where are the areas where You know we've done it for 15 years and we still do it that way but it doesn't really make any sense anymore and looking at some of those technological advances that we have as an industry and really taking advantage of some of that and i think that that ends up happening when it's forced a lot of times it's like well we have to make a change because so and so left and now we need somebody to do it but now is a really good time to truly examine those efficiencies because we survived the last couple of years, we thrived through the last couple of years where a lot of industries can't say that, now is a chance to go, okay, what innovation did we have to invent over the last couple of years to get through it? And now what do we wanna keep? What do we wanna toss? What do we wanna change? And so I think it's a perfect time to examine those efficiencies and make some of those changes right away.
0: Awesome. Uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, technology is a huge one, especially if you have a chance to breathe. Like everyone was drinking from a fire hose. I'm sure that's definitely an overused expression. But, uh, you know, as, as soon as the market picked <laughs> up after after the very start of the pandemic, everyone was just, you know, so busy. And so it's like they, I feel like that time our industry had seen a lot of it in that time, seen a lot of advancements, a lot of new um ways to pay and e-closings kind of took a big leap and there's a lot of different things going through, you know, legislative bodies and that sort of thing. I mean, it's like if you haven't really examined and looked at the way you're running your business and what is out there now that can maybe make you more efficient keep your uh, organization a little bit tidier, neater, and uh, easier, and kind of keep that. um, We always say, like, kind of keep your operating costs as low as possible and as scalable as possible. Those are, you know, some things that it's really, especially when you feel like there's a little bit more time on your hands, those are things that are, are going to really help you out going forward.
1: They, they really are, and it's funny because I often invite our clients when we're coaching and consulting with them to look at other industries and to pull ideas from other industries. And I don't know if you saw this in the news, but just recently Netflix said they're doing away with their DVDs. They're doing away with that. So if we think back, that was literally the business model.
0: <laughs> 100%. They yeah.
1: will mail a DVD to your house. You want to talk about a total pivot. Now, granted, streaming has been around for a number of years and most people stream and all of that, but it's really recognizing... Maybe you built your business around this one thing, and that's now obsolete. Maybe that's not really what your market is asking for and looking for. And I do think the pandemic really pushed us into looking for some of those pieces And the way that we even communicate with our clients and using technology in different ways. And I mean, I can't tell you the last time I did a phone coaching call with a client, they all wanna do video calls, which is super fun. I, I love being able to see them. But before the pandemic, it was always a phone call. So, you know, it's, it's recognizing the tools that are out there and using this time to really bring them in and train your staff on them as well. So that, you know, we go faster when that market does pick up
0: yeah totally you can't adopt anything new without making sure your entire team is up to speed knows what to do yeah. you know like that's that's just a recipe for disaster especially if the market picks up and you've got this new maybe yes. it's title production platform or you know that nobody knows how to use it and now you're super busy and then you kind of revert back to your your old ways of doing things because that's just the way people know how to do it and that's how they feel most comfortable and then you know you spend all this money and effort for really no reason, you know? So I totally agree with that. So let's say you kind of went through a lot of the different areas of your business. You found ways to create more pockets of time for yourself, for your team, and you can really start to work on your organization. Um, Where do you start if you are a title company uh, owner?
1: Great question. So we would advise you to start with your strategic plan. And I know that sounds super simple, but it's easier said than done because a lot of times companies don't have a proper strategic plan. A proper strategic plan is including your SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, looking at the market share, looking at the data in the market that is available to you. I had a client that I was coaching on their strategic plan for this year. Their growth numbers and their profit margin numbers didn't make any sense simply because of what the forecast was for the market. So, you know, we have to look at the available data out there and then make some decisions around it. The other part of your strategic plan is looking at your staff, looking at your team members. What can we get out of them? Where can we drive them? Looking at your succession planning, which is a big word right now in our industry. Um, And a lot of clients are not considering that part of their strategic plan. What they end up considering strategic plan is how much market share am I going to get? How much revenue are we going to bring in? And maybe, maybe how many new clients that means. But it's really diving into all those pieces, looking at the seasonality of your business, breaking it down month by month. For example, let's say you're a title agency and you average you know, 1,200 deals a year. Okay, great. That's not 120 deals or 110 deals this month. You look at the seasonality and you figure out October is usually a really good month in that market. Great. So you project a little bit more for that because then you staff better. You don't burn your staff out. And there's ways that you can also examine when you need to be doing business development and when you're just going to be really running 90 miles an hour to service the business. So all of those pieces go into creating that plan. And then the second most important part of that, Lindsay, you got to share it with your staff. (laughs) I know that sounds silly, but it's not something that just happens in the C-suite or in the owner's retreat. Mm -hmm. If I can walk into your organization and I can talk to any of your team members, receptionist, business development folks, escrow processor, title officer, if they can't tell me what the goal is this month, I guarantee you are leaving business on the table because they do not understand how the score is kept so they don't understand what their role is in reaching the score.
0: I think that definitely ties into how you talk about how everyone in the organization is a salesperson and is responsible for the overall growth of the company, but you can't necessarily expect people to feel that way to buy in unless they know where the ship is headed and like where, you know, they want to feel part of it. I think that that's such a an awesome way to like bring people in
1: we we're pack animals at the end of the day. We want to know we want to belong. So allow them to belong. Allow them to know the impact that that quick turnaround that title officer did saved this deal which ended up getting that client to send us four more deals. You know, let's let's share these successes and these wins and help people realize how important every role on the team is to reaching those goals.
0: Definitely. I think I think you bring up a good point too just about also like not only the top-down communication, we just did a, a whole um, presentation internally here at Logics because I am the communications director and kind of sharing about like the different ways communications flow and that sort of thing. So like there's, you know, a lot of that top-down stuff, but also inter, you know, that horizontal communication amongst um, colleagues who are maybe doing similar roles or, you know, kind of have overlapping duties because it's like if they don't share their wins or they don't share like, hey, I, I tried this today, it's like, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to strengthen your organization by making sure that there's the opportunity and you're fostering that sort of like inter-office sharing and communication.
1: A lot of the work that we do with clients is helping them to create a sales culture. And that sounds scary for some people because they think, oh, I'm not in sales. Like, I don't want to be in sales. No, you don't want to be a manipulation and pushy. But a sales culture means that everybody is dedicated to the exact same goal of growth They know the role that they play on the team and they know exactly what they need to do to execute in their role to help impact the bottom line. If everybody knows that that's a sales org and it's fun to be a part of that. It's fun to be a part of something bigger versus I sit in my office and I answer the phone and I do this, you know, like let's, let's have some celebration. Let's motivate folks to feel like they're making a bigger impact. The
0: industry is, is very, in a lot of ways, localized or it, it's it can be hard to stand out. Like how are some what are some ways that you think that um, title companies can make themselves stand out against the competition?
1: So I will tell you the answer that I get when I ask clients this. I will always ask, you know, what is it that makes you different than your competition? And the number one answer in my 18 years of doing this is service. OK. We have to ban that word from this industry because that is honestly the expectation. I expect you to service me. I expect that it goes smoothly. I expect that you're nice and you offer me a cup of coffee when I come to the closing. Service is not what it's about anymore as consumers, period. We're looking for an experience. I want to be entertained. (laughs) I want to feel like you knew who I was. And it's beyond that and that's where I think it's so crucial for companies to recognize every single person and every job is a sales job because you might be the one that runs into that customer in the hallway. You might be running out to your car and you're holding the door open for that consumer or that real estate agent. It's making sure everybody knows that because if you're trying to stand out, the whole key is to give people a story to tell about you. If I go through this, and yeah, it's fine, and I sign my name a thousand times, and I leave with a nice little parting gift, yay. That doesn't give me a story to tell. So the way that you're gonna stand out from your peers is truly creating and crafting a customer experience, making sure every person in your organization knows they're empowered to do that, they know what they can do in their role to do that, and give them something to talk about.
0: I love that absolutely. Yeah, we talk a lot about um, at Proplogics. Delight is like a really big um, component of what we we try to bring to every interaction that we have. Um, you know, we do we publish this podcast. I mean, we we put forth a lot of content and effort to try and grow title companies because we, you know, we know our services help do that, but we also want it to be like a complete experience. You know, we want them to feel like we're here and we're like standing behind them and absolutely invested in their success. So we're going to like do whatever we can to kind of make them feel that way. And I think delight and like giving that awesome experience, no matter like if they're getting an email from you or someone on your staff or if they're getting a phone call, like you said, like a, you know, just a happen chance, you know, um, interaction somewhere you or out, somewhere maybe you're at a happy hour somewhere and like someone who works on your team happens to say like oh you know I mean you just don't know where everywhere you are could be an opportunity to like help uh, represent and sell your company so I think that's so awesome
1: it's so true and it's funny too because a lot of the conversations that I have with title agents because that's our main client is our title agents and they'll say oh well you know we do a, a closing party and I'm like you didn't wow them before they got there. That's a problem. <laughs> you know, that's like only calling on your birthday. Like if you're really going to be a friend, you're really going to have a relationship. There needs to be more to it. So I love the I love the word delight because that really is. And the other thing that a lot of title agents will ask and they'll say, well, you know, Dr. Cindy is it really to stand out. It's our people. Okay, I'll I i will not disagree. I think it is your people. But what is it about your people? Because if I as a realtor or a consumer can't tell other people while your people are awesome, then I can't send you referrals. Because if I'm talking to another real estate agent, they think their title company's people are awesome too. (laughs) So you've gotta bring it down and make sure everybody knows how to tell that story and embraces their own superpowers. And I honestly think we're stronger as an industry for that as well. I think there's room for everybody. I like a little competition. And so I think it's fun to, to really empower your people and have them get out there and tell that story
0: co Tell me a little bit about that term.
1: <laughs> well, we're all here to do the same thing, right? We're all here to help people to get in their dream homes and live their best lives and protect their assets. So we are in the insurance industry at the first and foremost, but there's a little coopetition because I think we learn from each other. I think we help each other in this industry. That's one of the reasons I chose this industry. I literally quit my job in 2008 to start a company to help title agents grow their business. So, yes, I quit my job to start a company Tell people that had no money. But the reason is because I love the people in this industry. They are willing to help each other. We had a client who one of their main competitors in their market had a ransomware attack, so our client literally called over there to the president and said, you send everybody here, we will take care of them and we will not steal them. And that's exactly what happened. And when they were back up and running, they sent them back over there. Now, did some straggle back? Sure. But that's the kind of industry we're in. So yeah, we're competing, but we're sharing. When you go to any industry event, people are talking to each other, even in the same market, because we're all just trying to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely, I think it shows a lot about who you are as an organization or as an individual professional, when you can say like, you know, oh yeah, that's my competition. They do a great job over there. You know, like where it's kind of like it's not, you know, you're no bad mouthing, no, you know, this or that, but it's like, you know, you're, you are standing out because you're, you're um, gracious and you, you know, will uh, n- never talk bad about people, you know, behind their back. And that will, that will translate and people will definitely take note of that as, as, you know, who you are, and how you run your business is really awesome. So, you know, I think it's tough, especially if my numbers are down historically, Um, you know, maybe a little bit better than last year. But if my numbers are down and I'm thinking about really kind of implementing more efficiency in my organization, thinking about maybe getting some sales training for my, um, my staff, you know, I, 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 if I don't have the cash right now to invest in growing my business, like, how do I, how do I make that decision? How do I, you know, kind of decide, like, it really is, is important to invest in this sort of um, venture.
1: So I, this is one of my favorite conversations to have. So I have to get on my soapbox for two seconds on this, because I choose a word every year as my word of focus. And my focus this year, the year 2023, is opportunity. Because I think there is huge opportunity in our industry. This is when leaders are made. This is when leaders are born. This is when growth is realized. But you might have to sacrifice in one area to be able to make it so that you can skyrocket when the market is booming. And so maybe it is, unfortunately, having to do some layoffs so that you can invest in the technology that's going to be more efficient in the long run for your organization. It's kind of like, you know, you could patch the roof, but you could keep patching the roof or you can just bite the bullet. Don't go on vacation this year, fix the roof, and then you're done for 15 years. (laughs) And and I think this is the time to do it, because the other thing that happens if you don't do it now, we're going to get busy again. It's a cyclical industry. So then you're gonna put it off for another entire market cycle? Then think about how far behind your competition you'll be. If you wait again and again and again and you keep kicking that can down the road, just remember others are innovating around you and they will surpass you if you're not careful. And so I think it's hugely important to find the resources and you don't have to spend a ton of money, you know, you can implement the, the things that you can with sales training, there's opportunity for you, you can do it internally, you can do it in an academy, like our academy, you can do like, there's things out there, have your people read a book. I mean, there's really, there's stuff out there that can go to the library, you know, so there's resources out there, but I don't think this is the moment to penny pinch I think this is the moment to spend wisely. And it's, you know, maybe you cut that profit margin by 2% because it's more important to invest and train up your people now than it is to have that 2% profit margin.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's really, really great wisdom. So I wanted to give um, a quick opportunity for you to talk a little bit more about what it is that you do and how you can help title agents. So like, how can people follow you, learn more from you, kind of get, soak up more of this wisdom?
1: Oh, well, thank you. So, um, we're Orange Leaf Consulting and we work with companies to help them truly grow. So we go in, we assess, and we mainly work with leaders to help you be able to lead better. So we're not the consulting company that's in for the next 10 years. We wanna get in, we wanna help fix whatever needs fixing. Maybe we do some training for your staff, maybe we do some coaching, but it's really about helping your leaders to more effectively lead. And then we have an online academy where people can take courses of teaching your people to sell behind the desk, helping your salespeople to shorten their sales cycle. But most importantly, it is about helping you to run your business better at the end of the day. So you can build that sales culture, make more money and have more fun in the process.
0: Awesome. And where can people find your books?
1: They are available wherever books are sold. So at any of your favorite booksellers um, or online, and of course, our websites as well. But yeah, they're available any spot you need them, including on Kindle and on Audible.
0: Awesome. How did you like start writing, you know, like your journey as an author? Tell me, it seems like one of the most um, terrifying things. So like, tell me a little bit about that. Cause I'm just curious.
1: It's very funny. It was sort of in my head a long time. The, the book, the first book, every job is a sales job. And I was doing a lot of keynotes and people were like, Oh, do you have a book? And I'm like, no, I have a blog. You should sign up for my blog. And I have two blogs now. I have orange leaf consulting blog. And then I have the Dr. Cindy blog. But it's funny because I kept thinking about it, I'm like, why don't I have a book? And so when I sat down to really think about it, I ended up writing the book I wish somebody had given me when I was like 20. (laughs) And So I have a PhD in communication and you're a communications expert too. I didn't learn what's in that book about sales being a life skill, not a business skill. And so once I wrote that one, then that brought me to the next one, which is I think we sell ourselves short when we don't know how to sell ourselves without being braggadocious and that. So that led me to the second book. So, you know, who knows what's next?
0: That's very awesome. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time to share some really helpful information about how people can kind of really look at their organization, find efficiencies, and then kind of tackle uh, gaining more market share and kind of putting a lot of things to, um, to, to task in terms of um, growing your business and standing out amongst the competition. So thank you so much, Dr. Cindy, First Lady of Sales. We appreciate you. And um, I hope you have an awesome afternoon. Thank you for having me. This was great fun. Thanks again to Dr. Cindy for joining us. To learn more, check out our show notes at proplogics.com forward slash resources forward slash podcasts. Until next time, happy closings. Until next time, happy closings.